Do you have a question about Bitcoin? Coincompass.com slash ask to record your question and we'll answer it on an upcoming episode. So whether your question is technical, non-technical, economic, political, fundamental, it doesn't matter. There is no question too basic or too complicated for the Bitcoin Basics podcast. Coincompass.com slash ask. Welcome to the Bitcoin Basics podcast with your hosts, Faris and Gordon from Coincompass.com, enabling you to safely buy and securely store your Bitcoins. All resources are in the show notes and description, including our disclaimer. Visit BitcoinBasicsPodcast.com to subscribe and discover other free content. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Bitcoin Basics Podcast. I am your host, Ferris. Well, half of your host here with Gordon again today. It is the 14th of March and the price of Bitcoin is 61,150 and the block height is 674,522. That is our proof of recording timestamp. Gordon, how are you doing today? And what are we going to be talking about? I'm good. Thanks, mate. We just glossed over the price of Bitcoin that we, uh, we're not going to discuss, but that's obviously pretty exciting. But today we're going to talk about uh, Bitcoin privacy and um, perhaps, uh, Faris, you could kick it off on what did we cover in our last episode? So in our previous episode, we talked about how Bitcoin isn't private. This is something that still goes around in the non-crypto space. People still think, oh, Bitcoin's used by drug dealers and people in the dark web. When it's actually not private, cash is far more private than Bitcoin. Um, so that's the previous episode where we talked about, yeah, Bitcoin's not private. Wallets are public addresses, not necessarily who you are, but it can be traced back to you. So in this one Gordon, if someone wanted to make their Bitcoin holdings private or their wallet, how can they go about doing that? So I want to hold, say, three Bitcoins. I don't want anyone else to know that I have them. Is there a way for me to do that? Well, the easy way to do that is in the very first place, don't buy KYC Bitcoin. That's probably the easiest solution. But I'm assuming that you've already bought Bitcoin and an exchange. How do you perhaps make that private? If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, like, and share so we can find others like yourself. Well, first of all, for those who weren't listening previously, KYC is know your customer. So it's when you go to an exchange and you set up an account, you actually have to provide your details, um, your ID. So are there any non-KYC options for people to buy Bitcoin? Yeah, it's getting uh, quite hard nowadays. Uh, pretty much every exchange requires that know your customer um, at least your national ID or passport or, or your address. There are some software, for example, there's a software called BISC, B-I-S-Q. And by the way, we will link everything in the show notes, every, all the resources. There are things like local Bitcoins, uh, HODL, HODL, and other sort of what is called peer-to-peer -peer marketplaces. But a couple of years ago, they also started to require proof of identity and KYC as well. So yeah, in terms of buying Bitcoin, it's extremely difficult unless you use decentralized exchange, uh, something like BISC, or you use something like local Bitcoins or HODL, HODL, or Paxful is another one. Um, and you deal with someone who doesn't require um, a passport. But unfortunately, most of the buyers and sellers do. 
so with that, even though, say, you can buy peer-to-peer Bitcoin, um, if it's coming out of your credit card or you have to somehow get fiat currency into that, isn't that a way of it being traced? Yeah, so I think at the very, probably the best case scenario would be to use one of these websites. And I mentioned them before. And you sign up to that website and um, local Bitcoins, unfortunately, now requires KYC, but something like HODL HODL. And you sign up for an account and um, basically you want to buy Bitcoin, for example. And the, the process is you send your money via bank transfer. So it could be different payment methods, but essentially bank transfer to that person. And then that person sends you Bitcoin. So um, in terms of the transaction, in terms of the blockchain, there's this Bitcoin from one address to another. In terms of real world identities, the only identity that you're really releasing is that actual person that you're buying Bitcoin from. So at the very least, that person is going to know your real name and your bank account and how much Bitcoin you bought. And we don't know or want to speculate as to why someone listening to this would want to buy Bitcoin privately. That's up to you. But what are some of the drawbacks of doing it this way, of going away from liquid exchanges, avoiding KYC and going down this route? Yeah, well, the obvious drawback, as you mentioned, the word liquidity. So you usually pay a huge premium for buying Bitcoin uh, more privately than you would on an exchange. So some of those exchanges, maybe one or 2%, some of them the more illiquid ones might be 5% or even 10%. But some people, if they're going to buy a significant amount of Bitcoin, they might be happy to pay a 5% premium on their Bitcoin. So I guess people have to weigh up convenience versus privacy in terms of how much they're willing to pay. All right. Thank you, Gordon. Um, I can't think of any other questions relating to this. Um, anything I haven't asked that you think I should? Yeah, so that's that's buying Bitcoin. But what if you've already bought Bitcoin? What if you've already gone to Coinbase or one of the exchanges and you bought Bitcoin and maybe you've removed that Bitcoin? As we always suggest, you remove it from the exchange into a non-custodial wallet, which means a wallet that you control. So it could be a mobile wallet or a hardware wallet. But that's still you know linked to your Binance account or your Coinbase account or something. So perhaps not nowadays, but maybe in a few years' time, someone, some Bitcoin analytics firm could actually trace your Bitcoins being bought on the exchange. So there, there is a need for this privacy after you bought KYC Bitcoin. And a, a thing that's become popular in the last couple of years is something called coin joins and coin mixing. And I'm not going to go through the, the details to it, but essentially what it is, there's two things. There's coin mixing, which is basically sending your coins to a third party. So it's usually a website. So let's say you send uh, 0.1 Bitcoin. And that 0.1.1 Bitcoin you bought on Coinbase, you send that to a mixing service, a website. They mix it, so they've got all other people. And for example, they might split that 0.1 Bitcoin into random amounts and then sort of collate it back or maybe send you back 0.1 Bitcoin, but as 15 separate transactions. And so essentially what that's doing is sort of jumbling everything up. So it's, it's difficult for anyone looking at the blockchain to see that you've originally bought 0.1 Bitcoin. Now you've got 0.1 Bitcoin, but it's basically got no, well, it has got history, but the history is so jumbled up and you know random amounts and random uh, people um, sending it to you. So that's sort of how a coin mixer works. And the other one is called a coin join. 
And a coin mixer is a third party. And I'll ask you the obvious disadvantage, Faris, with using a third party. But a coin join is actually you take control. So you don't have to send your Bitcoins to a third party or a website. You actually download a wallet. And the most popular ones at the moment are called Wasabi and Whirlpool. That information changes all the time. So by the way, at, at the date of that recording, they're, they're the only two ones I know of. Um, so a coin join means that you can actually control that mixing or your own sort of mixing. So you don't have to rely on a third party. But of course, there's also a technical and perhaps a, you know, you may not be confident in doing it yourself. So uh, there are some obvious advantages and disadvantages with both those solutions. Um, just looking at some of the motivations, let's say you're kind of want this to be private for tax purposes down the line, because that's still a bit of a gray area in a lot of the G20 countries. How do we tax Bitcoin? Um, and that could change. Um, and we've mentioned in this show that, that you could come to a stage where you cannot remove your private keys from an exchange. Um, is this a way for people to want to tr say move from one country to another, which has a much more favorable um, taxation policy towards Bitcoin? Um, they would sell their Bitcoin once they're residents of country B. Is this a way for them to do that, to just kind of assist in that? And again, just a quick uh, disclaimer here, guys, where you are not financial accountants or advisors in any way here. We're just uh, chewing the fat. Absolutely. We completely honor the rules and regulations in your abode, your country of residence. Um, yes and no. It, it really depends on the exchange that you're, you're selling and you're buying it from. So, for example, if you're a US citizen and you bought your Bitcoin from Coinbase, you uh, removed it from Coinbase and you use one of these mixing services. Well, okay, you, now you want to sell your Bitcoin. I guess you're saying when you move to another country, use another exchange that is outside US jurisdiction. I guess you could do that. Um, but then again, you know, uh, the IRS and certain agencies have a fairly long reach. So I'm not even sure that would really protect you or, or make a difference. Um, the fact that you have bought your Bitcoin from Coinbase basically, they're just assuming that you still get your Bitcoin. So there's no way to prove that you've sold it. And also there's no way to prove that you still got it. So uh, that's a huge legal gray area. I don't know the answer to that, but I would say, and again, it comes back to buying Bitcoin. You might, if you're concerned about that, you might want to think about where you're buying Bitcoin from. If you're in a Western country, um, Coinbase, you know, um, Kraken and all these sort of uh, regulated exchanges is probably the way to go. But if you are concerned about privacy, you might not want to use those exchanges. You might want to use exchanges that have more favorable jurisdictions. And um, a quick plug for Binance. And again, information changes almost on a daily basis, but someone like Binance um, actually does sort of decentralize their regulation. And so they, they, I guess you would consider them a non-US uh, exchange. So that's definitely something to consider when you're buying Bitcoin. Um, thank you, Gordon. And um, where to from here? So if people have bought Bitcoin and they do want to get it a little more secure, even private, where do they go from here? Yeah, just before I uh, go into that, uh, I, I just say the best practices. And again, this is, I mean, I'm, we're, we're doing a 10-minute podcast. This is um, 
this is actually quite a bit of work, but if you basically want to make yourself more private, there are many things you can do. And I'd say there's probably three main ones. One is to um, don't use Bitcoin addresses. So if you are receiving Bitcoin, wallets nowadays can generate an infinite amount of receiving addresses. So whenever you're using your Bitcoin to send or receive, don't use the same address. Every wallet, every exchange enables you to create a new address. So do that. Number two would be don't publish your Bitcoin addresses. I see blog posts, I see charities, I see all kinds of websites that list their Bitcoin address on their website. Um, if you're a charity or not organization, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, for a personal blog or whatever, that's probably not a good idea, even if you keep it separate, because that could potentially, that Bitcoin address could link to your identity somehow. And last but not least, just be aware. And again, you might think we're being paranoid and, you know, who cares? You just buy Bitcoin and that's it. But uh, you are actually leaking a lot of information. And every single time you log into an exchange, every single time you check the Bitcoin price or open your Bitcoin wallet or do anything really with Bitcoin, you are leaking your IP address. And your IP address isn't necessarily your home address. For some people, it actually is. Uh, for me, as I roam around internet uh, cafes and stuff like that, it's not. But yeah, just be aware that your IP address is actually tracked by every exchange, every Bitcoin wallet, every Bitcoin service. So if you want to remain private, I'd suggest using a VPN. I'd actually suggest using something like the Brave browser, which has a private tab, which basically um, uses something which uh, completely obfuscates your IP address. And last but not least, Faris, and I know I've gone along, I would say the best thing is simply try to, if you are concerned about privacy, try to not buy KYC Bitcoin from, you know, a, a let's just say one of the larger exchanges. Try to use an exchange that perhaps in your own country or an exchange that has a favorable jurisdiction. Uh, Thanks, Gordon. So yeah, just a reminder, if this is your first time buying Bitcoin, um, and again, big reminders, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin at 61,000. This is not how we suggest you do it if it's your first time. This really is for experienced people that have bought Bitcoin and kind of know what they're doing and know the risks involved. If you're buying Bitcoin for the first time, it is easier to do it from KYC exchanges. We have done podcasts where we recommend them and uh, YouTube videos where we actually show you step-by-step -step how to do it. So yeah, this is how to make Bitcoin private. Um, if uh, Before I throw it out for any questions, Gordon, is there anything else you want to add in? Uh, no, that's it for me, Faris. So if you have a question about anything, you can, if you're watching this on YouTube, put a, your question in the comments. Uh, you can always ask us a question, coincompass.com slash ask. And if you record your question, we'll answer it on one of our upcoming episodes. And we also have a YouTube series. So we actually, it's more focused on security, but there is privacy and built into that. And that is at tinyurl.com slash SEC hygiene. And I'll put that link in the description of the show notes. And we go into all the best practices of how to buy Bitcoin safely. So that's it from me, Ferris. Thanks again for listening and watching. And uh, yeah, again, if you've got any questions, please hit us up. Thank you again for listening to the Bitcoin Basics podcast. And we look forward to catching you in our next episode. Thanks for watching or listening. Please visit coincompass.com slash free to register to our socials and discover other free content. Subscribing, liking, and following helps this content remain ad-free. Until next time.